Well, good morning, MCC family. So great to be with you this morning. Welcome our visitors uh, as well. Thank you so much for choosing to come and join us uh, in this venue as we uh, worship the Lord um, over uh, the airways online uh, there. It is so wonderful to be in your home uh, with you, but I am longing for the day, (laughs) Uh, very much so, when we can be back together, we can come back to God's house and to worship. And I want to let you know that that is on the horizon. I want you to know that, that we as a staff as well as our elders are fervently working on what it will look like when we're able to open our doors again. One of the biggest questions that I get asked often is when can we come back uh, to church? And so I want you to know that we are working hard on that. We are making plans for that. We have things already established. We have some other things to do, some fine-tuning. I also want to stress to you that we are going to uh, make sure that we are adhering to uh, what the, the laws are, what the, what the social distancing is. We want to have a good testimony in our community that way, but uh, we are ready uh, to come back and to meet. I'm so excited that I've been able to meet with you in your home this way, but it has been now nine weeks that we have been doing this. Um, it might be a few more weeks, a month uh, or so, uh, but we're praying for God uh, to open the door and to allow us back into uh, here. Uh, Let me stress this, it will be slow. It will be probably smaller numbers. We'll be working uh, different things. So we're working all of that out, and I just want you to know that because uh, we do have a plan on going forward. We are working on it, and as soon as we get the go-ahead, we will get those plans out to you. We will get that information to you so that you can start preparing yourselves to come and meet. So as I said, it's been nine weeks now. Uh, that we have been meeting together this way. Um, and I have a question I'd like, like to ask you. I so wish you were here with me so that you could answer out loud and, and honestly answer, but can I ask you, how are you doing? How are you doing? That's a simple question that we often ask one another when we see one another. We ask how you're doing, and a lot of times the answer is simply, I'm good, I'm great, things are fine, life is good. And, and even it, during all of this that we're dealing with, sometimes our answer is that, but let's be honest. Uh, let's, let's just be honest today. Life has been turned upside down. Every single one of us are dealing with the stress of this pandemic. Maybe you don't, your life hasn't changed too much. Maybe you're still able to go to work, or maybe you're still able to do some of the normal things that you have done uh, in the past, but there's still that weight, there's still that stress of this going on. Maybe, though, you're listening, and your entire life has been turned upside down. Maybe you, maybe you aren't working at, at work anymore. Maybe you're working from home. Maybe you don't even have a job right now uh, as a result of what's going on. I don't know what you're dealing with, but life certainly has turned upside down, and we're in this uh, series for these next couple weeks here, last week and this week, we, we've moved out of um, our current series, which is Investigating Jesus, uh, a walk through the Gospel of Luke, and we've purposely done that to address what is going on in our uh, society, to address what is taking place. And the reality is what is taking place um, is that we're walking through a storm. 
we are walking through a, a storm at this time. All of us face storms of life. It can either be this pandemic, this global pandemic that we are dealing with, or it can be a personal storm in our life. And the reality is, is that many of us are walking through this pandemic as well as personal storms on top of it. And as we talked about last week, we talked about the fact that life is uncertain. And we talked about the fact that we are in good company because the disciples dealt with uncertain times in their life as well. Jesus, just before going to the cross, sat the disciples down and shared with them that their life was going to turn upside down, that there's going to be uncertainty. There's going to be people you don't know who to trust, you don't know where to go, you don't know what to do. A lot like what we're dealing with today, isn't it? And Jesus said, I have some words of peace to give you. As a matter of fact, what I desire is that you find peace in me. Well, let's look at what Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33. He said these words to his disciples, and they also resonate for us today. He said, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In me you find peace. We find peace in Jesus. And what, what do we, how do we find peace? He said, in the world you'll have tribulation. In the world you'll have trouble. In the world you'll have storms. In the world you will deal with things that go wrong. Why? Because we live in a sin-broken world. Because the world is full of sin, because the world is broken by sin, we know that bad things are going to come into our lives. It's just going to happen. Jesus said, don't be surprised by that. Don't be upset by that. In the world, in your world, in your life, you will struggle with hard times. Jesus calls them tribulations, with storms in your life. And then he says, but take heart. He says, hold on. He says, grab onto something solid. And that's what I want you to grab onto, what I want you to hold onto is the peace that I can give you. Because here's the peace that I can give you. Not only is there trouble going to be in your life, but I have overcome the world. I have overcome the problems that come into your life. I have overcome the struggles that you're facing. I am there with you in the midst of the storm, and I have overcome. And so we saw last week in the illustration that we gave of the storm that Jesus calmed while he was asleep in the boat, and he calmed the storm, that in order for us to make it through the storms of life, we must trust Jesus. This world is uncertain, but Jesus is certain. Today I want to move on to another illustration uh, we find in Matthew's Gospel this morning. And I want to move on to this illustration to add to what we talked about last week, that we are to trust Jesus. But the question we need to ask now is not what, but how. How do we trust Jesus? It's one thing to say that we're to trust Jesus, and that's, that, that, you know, that, that's good, and we, we say that to one another, and we think that, and we, we try to trust Jesus, but what does it really mean to do that? How do we really trust Jesus in our life? After all, Jesus is not here physically, is he? We can't see him. Uh, so how do we, as followers of Jesus Christ, living in this world today, trust Jesus in the storms of life? How do we trust him when a pandemic hits, as we're dealing with? But how do we trust him when our own troubles, our own struggles come in? How do we trust him when life seemingly falls apart for us? 
Well, again, we see this in the disciples. We see an illustration here with Jesus and the disciples. And again, it's another long day of ministry uh, for uh, the disciples and for Jesus. We find them in the evening time, and it's at, at dinner time, the meal time for them. They've been uh, ministering to a multitude of people all day long. Jesus has been teaching. The disciples have been helping. They've been um, working together to continue to minister. Now it is evening time, and we see that the disciples and Jesus well, they get ready to have the evening meal. But this isn't an ordinary meal. This isn't the, the, the thing that they deal with on a regular basis. This is really a special meal because there are special guests with Jesus and the disciples at this meal. As a matter of fact, there's not just some special guests with Jesus and the disciples. There's, well, there's, there's 5,000 men plus women and children. <laughs> Uh, it's a big party, right? And as they're getting ready to set people down to, to have the meal, they realize, um, Jesus, we don't have any food. <laughs> you want us to feed everybody? And you, uh, have, you ever, <laughs> have you ever tried to have a party without food? It doesn't work very, very well. And all of a sudden, they come along, maybe a young man's lunch of five loaves and two fish. And, and Jesus blesses it and multiplies it, and, and the miracle of feeding the 5,000 takes place, and that's where we are. So the disciples and Jesus have just finished now serving 5,000 men plus women and children uh, a meal, and they've all eaten, and it's been a long day of teaching, and Jesus says to them exactly what we saw happen last week. Uh, in this scenario, Jesus says to his disciples, hey, get into the boat, in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, he says, Get into the boat and get, go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. So Jesus said to his uh, disciples, Get into the boat, head to the other side, uh, and I'm going to follow later. I'll come along later. I love that no one questioned Jesus on how he was going to get there. I, I, they probably were exhausted. They're just like, Okay, get in, let's go. Jesus is going to come later. I think most of them were probably excited that they didn't have to dismiss the crowd, right? <laughs> they didn't have to worry about dispersing that group. Jesus said he'd take care of it, and, and I don't know how Jesus took care of it. All we know is Matthew records in verse 23 that he dismissed the crowds, and they went home. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land between uh, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. It's so interesting to note here, Jesus has experienced an extremely long day of ministry. He is just now fed, possibly, scholars tell us, close to 20,000 people, plus his disciples and himself. He's just performed that miracle. He's just sent his disciples off. And wouldn't you think at that time it would be a great time to go take a nap? <laughs> Wouldn't you want to just go close your eyes somewhere and rest? But where does Jesus go? Well, Jesus goes off to pray. And this is just really a side note to, to what I really want to draw us to, but so very important and so powerful in our life, prayer is. Every time we find Jesus, not every time, but many times we find Jesus when he goes off to pray, it's in the times of his life where he is exhausted. It's in the times of his life where he is probably spent the spent the most, the weakest, is he goes to pray, to pray to his Father. Why does he do that? He goes to pray because that's what gives him strength. 
That's what helps him get through. He pours out his heart to his father. He spends time in prayer just communicating with him. He spends time listening to the father. Listen, I want you to understand that in your weakest times, in the times that you are drawn and fatigued the most, that's when you really need to pray. That's when you really just need to get along with God. Nothing fancy, no no fancy words, just God, this is where I am, this is what's going on, I need you, I need your strength, and then sit and listen. And that's what Jesus did. Well, while Jesus is on the mountain here having this time of prayer, well, the disciples are heading across the Sea of Galilee. Um, And for fishermen, (laughs) they seemingly get into a lot of trouble while they're on the Sea of Galilee. But they're on the Sea of Galilee traveling along. And as they're traveling along, as I said last week, the Sea of Galilee is low and there's mountains all around it. So it's not unusual for storms to come on really quick. But it says here in our passage that the wind started to blow. It started to blow against the ship. So it was a, it was a headwind that they were trying to, to sail into. And if you have ever done any sailing or looked at any sailboats, uh, you're not going to sail into a headwind. Uh, so really what they wound up doing was they took the sails down because that wasn't helping them. And they pulled out the oars and they started rowing. And they were rowing. Now, the wind was strong, the waves were high, and if you can imagine, every time they would uh, seemingly get a little distance, the water would push them back because the wind was blowing in the waves. I started thinking about what would be a great illustration to illustrate this for you. Think to yourself, escalator. And think to yourself, the down escalator and you trying to walk up the down escalator escalator. Every step you took, you wouldn't be getting anywhere. It would be harder. And then you'd have to exert more energy and more energy in order to overcome the down escalator. That's what was happening with the disciples. They were, they were rowing and rowing and trying to get to the other side. And they had been doing this for a while. Now the scriptures tell us here as we move on into verse number 25, that And in the fourth watch of the night, he, that's Jesus, came to them walking on the water. Well, what's the fourth watch of the night? Well, the fourth watch of the night, what they would do is they would take the night hours uh, in the day from 6 o'clock in the evening to 6 o'clock in the morning, and they would break that off into four different sections, four different watches. And so this really lets us know what time Jesus was coming near them on the boat, and the fourth watch tells us that Jesus was walking on the water between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. Just before dawn, the the darkness just before dawn, Jesus is walking on the Sea of Galilee, and he walks um, up to where they are. And verse 26, I I just laugh because I try to put myself into this scenario. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. Can we pause there for a minute? Wouldn't you be? <laughs> I mean, it's dark. Uh, you're on the sea. The waves are crashing. You're rowing with all of your might to try to get to the other side. And all of a sudden, in the distance, you see a, a figure of a person walking towards you. I don't know what I would shout out, but it makes a lot of sense to me that they would shout out, it's a ghost. They were afraid. Now listen, I don't believe for a second that the uh, disciples were superstitious in any way, shape, or form, but what else would you call it if you see a figure walking on water? Remember, no one up to this point has ever walked on water before, and no one after this point has ever walked on water unless it was frozen, and it wasn't frozen, right? And so... 
Here they're seeing this and they're scared, they're terrified. It's a ghost, they don't know what this is. And, and, and don't be too hard on them because you would be doing the same, I would be uh, doing the same. And then Jesus does what Jesus does best in verse 27. But immediately, as he heard them cry in terror, it's a ghost, whatever he heard, he said immediately Jesus spoke to them. And he said, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. He says, take heart. Remember, we've heard that somewhere before, didn't we? He said, hold on. It's okay. It's me. I'm here. I'm with you. Everything is going to be okay. Don't be afraid. And then Peter. I don't know what Peter was thinking at this time. I don't know what was going through Peter's mind. The scripture says, and Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. I don't know what Peter was actually thinking about here when he said that. I don't know if Peter was testing that it was Jesus, if he, was, if he wasn't sure, or maybe Peter was doing the addition in his head and he started realizing that, man, when I've been with Jesus, he's been able to heal the sick. And when I've been able to be with Jesus, he's cast demons out of people. Um, He's able to calm the, the wind and the storm and the waves. Uh, we just fed over 20,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. Man, when we're with Jesus, he does miraculous things and he allows us to be a part of them. I wonder if Peter was thinking that way. I, th I think he was. I, think he was yeah, I don't think he was putting Jesus to the test. I think he was, he was testing his theory that, man, with Jesus... With him on our side, we can, we can do what he tells us to do. And I love the way this is worded. I love how he says it. He says, Lord, if it is you, command me. You tell me. If it's you, you tell me to come to you on the water. And what does Jesus say? Verse 29, come. And so Peter got out of the boat. And he walked on the water. And he came to Jesus. Don't read over that too fast. That is absolutely amazing to think about. We'll come back to it here in a second. And then verse 30 to 32 tells us, And when he, that's Peter, saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. It's an amazing story. It's a very interesting narrative because I, I, I use the word story. I don't even like the word story because this was a real event that took place. Real people that this happened to, that Jesus came to. And in this situation with Peter and Jesus, we see three things in here that are so vitally important for us to tell us, to teach us how we can trust God in the midst of the storms. We know that in order to get through the storms of life, we must trust God. And so how do we do that? That's the question we want to ask and answer. How do we do that? And the first thing that I want you to see here is the interaction of Peter and Jesus in the boat. 
Jesus comes walking on the water, and he comes near the boat. And I don't know how close Jesus got to the boat or not. Um, I don't think he was right next to the boat. I think he probably was somewhere between 10, maybe 15 feet away from the boat there as he's having this interaction with the disciples. And as Peter asks him, command me to come. I want you to see three things that Peter does here on how to trust God. He says, first, command me to come. Or can I put it this way? He searched for the word of God. He searched for the command of God. He didn't say, hey, Jesus, I'm coming out to you. No. No, he searched to be sure that it was what God wanted him to do. If we are going to trust God, how do we trust God? First, we must search the word of God. First, we must know what God tells us to do. We must know what the Word tells us and how we are to live our life in the midst of all of this. How, we're to, how do we live our lives and do what we're supposed to do through the commands of God in His Word? And Peter said, Jesus, command me, tell me if it's you to come. And Jesus commanded and said, come. And the second thing that Peter did then was he stepped out of the boat I don't know whether he had to climb down or not. I don't know what it was, but can you imagine the scenario? I mean, it just blows my mind. Here is Peter standing on the boat, and and as firm of a service as that was with it going back and forth with the waves, the wood being the firm uh, surface that he was standing on, Peter steps out of the boat and puts his foot on the water, and it's firm. I mean, think about that. He steps out onto the water, And he doesn't go any farther. And then he takes his other leg and he puts it over the boat and he steps on the water. And there he is standing on the water. What did he do? He trusted the command. He trusted the command. Jesus said, come. And so he trusted him to stand and to step out of the boat. That was the first step. That the command that Jesus gave to him, he knew was good and was trustworthy and he was going to do it. And then the next thing that Jesus, or excuse me, that Peter did was he obeyed. He obeyed the command. You see, not only did he stand on that water, but he took a step. And he took another step. And I think, like I said, Jesus was probably 10 to 15 feet, somewhere in there maybe, away from the boat. I believe it was more than one or two steps. I don't think, I don't think Peter just took one step on the water. I, I don't think he just took two steps on the water. I think he stepped and stepped. And what's amazing about this, when you look at this verse in verse number 29, it tells us that he didn't just get halfway to Jesus. He didn't just get a few steps towards Jesus. It says he came to Jesus. Peter walked to where Jesus was. However many steps that was, Peter stood before Jesus. Why? Because he searched out the command. He trusted the command, and he obeyed the command. And there he was standing before Jesus. And we think to ourselves, that is just so absolutely awesome, and it is absolutely awesome. And we see in this moment the victory that Peter has and the victory that he enjoys of making it through. Now listen, the storm hadn't stopped, the winds hadn't stopped, the waves hadn't stopped going, the water hadn't stopped splashing, but in that whole time, because he sought out God's word, because he trusted God's word, and because he obeyed God's word, he was able to walk straight through the storm, 
The storm didn't end. He walked straight through it in peace and in victory in his life. And that is exactly how we trust God. But now listen, that's not the end of the story. I wish it was, but it's not the end of the story. That is how we find victory. But I want you to understand that when Peter gets to Jesus now, well, he looks away. He takes his eyes off Jesus. And I think this is a very important scene for us to understand. I think this is very important because, listen now, I think it teaches us something very good and very important. It teaches us that it's one thing to start off strong. It's something totally different to finish strong. Peter started out strong. Peter, with the waves crashing and, and everything happening and the command given, he, he, he trusted Jesus to get to Jesus. And I don't know if Peter thought, man, I'm only going to get to Jesus, that's it. He didn't think through the whole process. I don't know what it was. But something happened when Peter got before Jesus. He took his eyes off Jesus and he looked at the storm. He looked at the waves. He felt the water spraying up on him. He felt the wind blowing in his hair. And he recognized, he recognized, and there's something wrong. This is, this, I shouldn't be able to do this. I, I shouldn't be able to make this through. And, and he started looking at the circumstances. Now, what happened when he looked at the circumstances? When he looked at the circumstances and he took his trust off of Jesus and he took his eyes off of Jesus, guess what flooded in? Worry. Fear, maybe even anger that he started sinking, maybe even anger at himself. Or can I give it to one word? Are you ready? Sin came in. Sin came in. He moved his trust from Jesus and he began to sink. And listen, when he made that move, I want you to understand something. When he made that move, not only did sin of worry and stress and all that came in, but now there was a void of peace in his heart. No more did he have Jesus comforting him, but he had looked away from Jesus, and now there was a void in his heart. And can I tell you something? When that happens in our lives, the enemy stands ready, stands ready to fill that void in our lives. You see, when we start looking at the circumstances, when we start looking at the storms of life, we start really realizing what they are. We start hearing the, the death totals of the pandemic. We start hearing that, that people are getting sick. We keep, we keep hearing the uncertainty of our leaders, and, and we start worrying about what's going on, and am I going to be next, or is my loved one going to be next, and what's going to happen? And it becomes overwhelming, so overwhelming, that we need something to take our mind off of that. And if it's not Jesus that gives us that peace, if we don't go to Jesus for that peace, we will go and accept what Satan has that is false. What do I mean by that? What am I t trying to say? When we walk away, when we turn away from Jesus in the midst of the storm, we will find ourselves in sin. It happens every time. How do I know? Well, I did some research. Looking at what's going on during the pandemic, and this may blow your mind, it blew mine. Since the pandemic began in March when we started uh, locking down the quarantine, since then, alcohol sales have been up by 243% since that time. Why? Because I don't want to think about what's going on. I don't want to think about what's happening. I, I need something to substitute the peace that only Jesus can give, so I'm going to go to the bottle. 
You say, well, Pastor Mike, that's just the world. Oh, I wish it was, but it's not. I know that it's not. The other thing that just upsets me and angers me the most about this is that one study says that as of the beginning of March when all of this happened, in March, pornography was up 11.6% and climbing. As a matter of fact, I'm telling you, Satan has things ready and available to try to take your mind off to get you into sin when you take your eyes off of Jesus. That there are, I read an article just today that pornography companies around the world and possibly here in the United States are now waiving their fees for you to be able to get onto their pornographic sites so that you can have something to do during the pandemic. Something to cover up what only Jesus can give. Many of us maybe aren't getting into those types of things, but uh, maybe we're spending more time with social media. Maybe we're spending more time watching TV. Can I be real with you? Maybe we're where, where I am, my, my problem, my, my area of struggle. Maybe we're eating more than we're supposed to as a way of comfort and things that we need to get right with God. Listen, what am I saying? What am I telling you? The second that Peter turned his eyes away from Jesus, he began to sink. He began to look away from the peace that Jesus can give. He moved away from what Jesus can offer him, and he took the counterfeit that Satan wanted to offer, and all that counterfeit does that it offers is all as it does is bring destruction and death in our lives. Maybe not physical death, but maybe physical death, but it just tears us up. It destroys us. What was happening to Peter? He was sinking in the water. He was going down. If he would have stayed in that state, he would have drowned. You see, we have victory, as we saw, as Peter kept his eyes on Jesus, as he trusted in the commands of God and, and trusted the Word of God and obeyed it, and as he did that, he had victory, but when he looked away, when he looked away, he had fear, he had worry, and he was pulled into the sins of this world. Maybe you're struggling with something like that today. Maybe you're struggling in this area. Can I tell you there's hope? There's great hope. And that is this. Peter did the only thing he could do, the right thing that he could do, and we see that he cried out to the Lord as he was sinking. He cried out to Jesus. And what did Jesus do when he cried out to him? Did Jesus just walk by and go, hey, I thought you were going to follow me and you decided not to, and so I'm going back to the boat, you're on your own, Peter. Well, no, we know that's not what Jesus did. What did Jesus do? Jesus reached down and pulled him up. Peter cried out to, God, to, to Jesus and Jesus grabbed him and held him. Jesus grabbed him and lifted him up out of the water. Jesus grabbed him and carried him. Jesus offered forgiveness. Jesus offered grace. Jesus offered mercy in that moment. And then what did Jesus do? Jesus held on to Peter and he walked him back to the boat. And when he got back to the boat in this loving, uh, caring uh, situation, the wind ceased and the storm stopped. You see, Jesus forgave. Jesus gave mercy. Jesus gave grace. But you know, Jesus and Peter did have a little conversation on their way back to the boat. Jesus did look at him and say to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, again, I want to stress to you that I don't 
believe Jesus was angry. Maybe disappointed, absolutely. But at least at this time, Jesus didn't say you didn't have any faith. Remember last week, Jesus said, do you still not have faith in me? And, and, and that he put his faith in something else. And here, Peter still puts his faith in, in something else. But yet, Jesus says, at least you had enough faith to come to me. But why did you quit? Again, I would say, that I would add at the end of that verse, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt in me? Why did you doubt in me? And I think we see here really what it boils down to is that Peter was prepared to trust Jesus in the beginning. And when he realized where he was and in the midst of the storm and, and the storm wasn't over yet and things were still crashing around, he, he became weary. He looked away. He believed the lie of the enemy and he began to sink. Oh, but Jesus was there when he cried out and picked him up and carried him back to the boat. I asked you a question at the beginning of this message. Can I ask it again? How are you doing? How are you doing? Are you like Peter in the beginning, trusting Jesus, studying his word, trusting the word, obeying the word of God, putting that in your life? You know the storm isn't over. You know it's still raging, but you're keeping your eyes and your faith focused on Jesus, following the word of God, obeying what it says, plugging it into your life and living it out. That's how you have victory through the storm. But maybe you're like Peter in the middle of the storm. This has been going on for nine weeks. Is there really going to be an end? Are we going to see an end to this? It's becoming too much. The, the, the news is becoming overwhelming. The things of, this, uh, of my life are just becoming overwhelming. Not only is there a pandemic, but there's other things in my life that are weighing me down. I'm worried about my finances. I'm worried about, are you looking towards the things of the storm and taking your eyes off of Jesus and you find yourself moving into sin? Maybe that's where you're at. Oh, would you do what Peter did? You see, the great thing about what happened with Peter is Jesus never moved. He never left. When Peter started to sink, Peter cried out to Jesus, and immediately Jesus pulled him back up. Jesus restored him and put him back on the path. And he said to him, listen, why did you doubt me? And I think Peter reflected in that, and he saw the error of his ways, and he said... I am going to continue to trust as we need to. I don't know where you are. I don't know where you're struggling. But I do know this, God has not left you. God has not abandoned you. I don't know what choices you have made, what sin maybe you have gotten into, but Jesus is there to forgive you. He's there to restore you, to lift you up. I don't know if you're overwhelmed and feel like everything is too great. Can I... Can I encourage you with this? Can I challenge you with this? Would you go to Jesus? Would you go to him in prayer? Would you ask him to help you? Would you open God's word? Would you read the passages of God's word that are comforting? Would you read the truth of God's word and apply it to your life? Would you trust in it? Would you obey it and live it out? And I promise you this, when you will, the storm may not go away. It may not go away for a while. But I promise you this, God will carry you through the storm. He will 
bring you through. Will you trust him today? Father God, take this message, Lord, I pray. and Let it be a comfort to your people. Father, maybe someone's listening that has never accepted you. Lord, I pray they'll go back and look through the other messages online that share the good news of Jesus Christ, that they can be saved. That they can understand that you are there. You are there so we can trust you and you will carry us through. Father, I pray for those who are uh, choosing sin, maybe have chosen sin, that today they'll repent, that today they'll get it right, that they can be restored and lifted up and brought back to you and have the peace that only you can give. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have said that peace is in you, that even though we will struggle and have struggles in this life, you've overcome the world. We can trust in you. We can trust in your word. We can obey your word, and you will carry us through. Lord Jesus, please do that in our lives, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.